0: The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au.
1: So um, we're beginning, we were supposed to start a series last week on uh, this idea called Speaking Out. We're calling it Speak Out and again the whole idea behind this series is about radiating Jesus in the marketplace outside of the church and even in the church through our words. Um, And that's why we wanted uh, Phil and Laurie to come and share about the role of the gifts of the Spirit and the prophetic and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and all of that, how God wants to use that to edify and build up one another. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul makes this profound statement. He says that our words are to build up and benefit other people. And so that's really kind of the the thematic anchor verse for this whole series. And we're going to consider for the next month how in different ways we can use our words to actually do that, to build up people, to benefit them, and ultimately to point them to Jesus. That's really where we're going. And so next Sunday, we're going to look at The whole idea of how we can tell our story effectively, our testimony, Uh, given the opportunity, as Peter says, that we need to always be ready to give an explanation for the hope that we have so that we're thinking about and kind of structuring our 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 story, our Christian story, our testimony in an effective way so that if we're given an opportunity, we don't bombard people with religion religious jargon, Christianese, that we're we're telling our story in a way that means something to people. And then the the last week of the month we're gonna look at intercession and how there is great power in praying for people and interceding for them and, and how we are to continue to do that. And so that's kind of where we're going this week I want to look at the idea of encouragement. The, the power of speaking encouraging words. And so my message this morning is entitled, Speak Life. Speak Life. And so if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs 18, uh, this is a very, very famous verse that many of you would know. And again, what I have to say this morning is, is quite straightforward. And, and it's probably, you know, things that you already know, that you've experienced firsthand. But sometimes we need to state the obvious, because otherwise we will forget things, and so I want to remind you of some things and hopefully challenge you to actually live this way. Proverbs 18, this is what it says in verses uh, 21 is the one we're really familiar with. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now we know that, but this is in, as in often is the case in Hebrew poetry and particularly in Proverbs, it's part of a couplet. It's one of two verses that go together. So we need to read the previous verse. From the fruit of their mouth, people's stomachs are filled with the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. Let me pray, Father. I just pray that you'll be with us as we launch into this message, Lord. That you would stir in our heart and inspire us, Lord, to use our words to be speakers of life, to bring uh, hope and encouragement to those around us. That ultimately they will see Jesus in us. And we ask this in His name, Amen. So I want to kind of point out two basic principles that are in this that are, again, really, really obvious. The first thing is that the writer of Proverbs says that the tongue is powerful. The tongue is powerful. Now, if you were in my generation, put your hands up if you heard this saying, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words, what a load of rubbish. What a load of rubbish. It's it's so not true. And like me, you've probably experienced the pain that comes from careless words from gossip, from slander, from labels that people have put on you that kind of haunted you for years. But like me, you've probably also been encouraged by just a word in season that someone said to you. So I don't think any of us really believe that sticks and stones can do more damage than words, because sticks and stones will eventually heal. The bruises will go, but sometimes the wounds from words last longer than the sticks and stones What's interesting about it, and I know you know know this verse, but whether you've ever considered this, the writer of the Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know that usually throughout the the Gospels, actually throughout the whole Bible, that dichotomy is usually only assigned to God. Only God has the power of life and death. And yet, the writer of Proverbs says, no, your tongue has it too. Your tongue has the same power in one sense, as God does. Now, again, the writer of the Proverbs is not thinking literally that you're not going to speak and bring someone back to life or you're going to speak and someone's going to drop dead. I hope not. Um, What he has in mind is is community and relationships. And he says the idea he's trying to convey is that our words can disrupt and destroy and bring death to relationships and community or it can actually do the reverse. And again, we've, we've experienced the truth of that. James chapter 3, the whole chapter uh, pretty much, or the, the first part of it is James writing about the power of the tongue. And he uses this metaphor that like a rudder that is so small and yet can steer a massive ship, the tongue is just like that. And he says another metaphor, he says the tongue is like a fire, and he says a a little spark can set a whole forest ablaze. And then he makes this huge statement, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Imagine the power of this little thing that wags in our mouths. The tongue has great power. The, the second thing I want you to see from what Hebrew, uh, the Proverbs is saying here is that the reason our tongues are so powerful is because our words produce an effect. Our, our words have consequences. Our words accomplish certain things. You'll notice that the writer of Proverbs uses words like from the fruit of their mouths. That's a result. That's a product. He goes on to say, with the harvest of their lips. Again, that is a product, a result. He ends in verse 21 by saying, those who love it will eat its fruit. And so he's using this metaphor of sowing and reaping. So I want to kind of pull into this, what Paul says in Galatians 6 about sowing and reaping. And again, Paul uses the same dichotomy. I don't know if you remember that you can sow to life or you can sow to the spirit or you can sow to the flesh and reap death life and death. And so what the writer of Proverbs is saying is that through our words, there are consequences, not just for the people who hear it, but for us. See, he says, from the fruit of their mouths, people's stomachs are filled. That's I receive a benefit or a negative consequence from the words that come out of my mouth. It sustains me. It it fills me. From the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. So the consequences of our words not just affect others, but they affect me too. And again, we would be foolish if we were to think that with the law of sowing and reaping, that we can sow negative, critical, hurtful, slanderous, lying, gossiping words and expect positive things to come out of that. And the reverse is also true, that if we invest into speaking positive, life-giving, encouraging, building upwards, then there will be an equal return for that of like kind. What you sow, you will reap. And that's what the writer of Proverbs is saying. And since it's Mother's Day, many of us as parents, we would have experiences if we are constantly critical and negative and undermining of our kids and we speak negative words, guess what? They'll live up to those. And that doesn't just affect them, that affects you. That affects our community and our schools and our neighborhoods because of the flow-on effect of those words. The things that we have sown begin to grow. And we've seen that. The second thing about sowing and reaping and the harvest is that there's a multiplied effect. That's what makes words so powerful. See, and Jesus used that metaphor. He said in the parable of the sower, a farmer goes out and he sows when the seeds that fall into good ground bring forth what? A 30, 60, 100-fold harvest. You see, you you put one kernel of corn in the ground, but you get ears of corn which are full of kernels. There's a multiplied effect, and words are just like that. One word of encouragement can have such a huge impact on a person's life. One negative, hurtful label can have huge effect on someone. There's a multiplied effect. There's a, a disproportionate result and return from the words that you sow. The third thing about sowing and reaping is that it's a long-term consequence. Just like when you plant something, it never grows up straight away. It takes time. But eventually, that thing you put in the ground does grow and produce a harvest. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, we can get away with our words because we don't see the immediate return. We don't see the immediate results and the effects of that. But Proverbs reminds us that just like there's a delay between the sowing and the reaping, there will be a delay in our words. Through our ministry at Petersham, we used to do these uh, weekend retreats called Living Freeze. And some of you have done them here at PCC. And they're an opportunity for people to deal with baggage in their life. And I can't tell you the number of times I've sat with men and women. I mean, I don't do the women's group, but we've heard testimonies in the women's groups of men and women who years after, we're talking 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they remember a word that was said to them by a parent, by a boss, by a coach, by someone in authority or leadership over them, by a pastor that has haunted them, that has brought bondage and hurt and pain into their life. And they're having to deal with baggage from years ago because they remember it like it was yesterday. That's what Proverbs says. There are consequences and they are long-term. So how do we become people who speak life and not death? How how do we need to live? How do we need to think? What do we need to do so that we can not repeat the mistakes of maybe even our childhood and raise up another generation that, that know life and not death? Well, again, just three things that come to mind from pulling together different thoughts from Scripture. The first one is an interesting one. Be good at heart be good at heart. And this is from Luke six forty five, when Jesus uses this whole idea of fruit again and trees. And he says, you know, you make a tree good and the fruit will be good. You make a tree bad and the fruit will be bad. Same idea as Proverbs. And he says, you know, out of the goods stored up inside, people speak. Sometimes we focus all our attention on trying to reform our words, trying to, oh, I've got I to speak differently. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're starting at the wrong place. got to start with your heart and that's about character and Jesus often says that our character is displayed by our words and our actions and so what Jesus is trying to say is don't deal with the fruit, don't deal with the symptoms, deal with the root cause which is in here and it's not till we really come to a place of completely surrendering to Jesus and allowing him and the gospel to transform our hearts and inviting the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts that our words will begin to change. Uh, and again, using the, the fruit metaphor, the, the, fruit, the Spirit is the one that produces the fruit of the Spirit. And it's hopeless trying to reform our behavior from the outside in. And that's why at PCC, we use that language of the gospel, is about inside out. Starting with the heart. Starting with surrendering your heart to the Lordship of Christ. Starting with surrendering your heart to being filled with the Spirit of God. And then allowing your words to come out of the overflow of the good of God and the grace of the gospel that's in your heart. The second principle comes from Hebrews 10. Uh, Again, we're familiar with this verse because it talks about encouragement. And it says, sorry, the second one is being aware. Be aware. And if we look at Hebrews 10, it talks about encouraging one another, not to forsake our assembling and and encouraging one another as we see the day approaching. Uh, Again, a verse that's really familiar to us, but the verse before that is really significant. Verse 24 says that let us consider, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us consider. Here's the problem with words. Particularly today, we so live in a world that is about me, and we so want everybody else to affirm me, and encourage me, and give me something, that we are totally oblivious to those around us. And the writer of Hebrews says, let us consider how All around us, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our universities, in our colleges, in our neighborhood, in this church, are people who might need a word of encouragement. Do you even see them? Do you even know them? Let us consider. Let's open our eyes and be aware of those who are around us. If we want to be people who speak life, it begins by seeing by being aware of those around us and the need that's there. There was a story told many years ago, maybe actually it actually was on the news, true story, maybe you saw it, of two, three whales actually that were grey whales that were trapped under the ice in Alaska. Piku and Siku or something or other their names were, I don't know. And these, you know, uh, rescuers, they knew that if they didn't do something, those whales were going to die. And they were about, I think, something like uh, 20 kilometers away from the open sea. And they had to get them out there because they were trapped under the ice. And they were kind of, on, on TV, they were, they were kind of huddled around this hole in the ice and kind of gasping for breath. They were battered and bruised. And, and the rescuers knew that they had to get them from there out into the open sea. And so what they decided to do was every 20 meters or so, dig, dig another hole through six inches of ice so that these whales could, could move from one hole to the other. And so they coaxed them and coaxed them and coaxed them. And I think it took like three or four days to eventually move them from where they were out into the open sea. Encouragement is exactly like that. Sometimes it's a breathing hole. Sometimes people are battered and they're bruised and they're trapped. And they don't know any way out until someone comes and puts a hole in the ice and go, take a breath. Take a breath. You're doing great. You're going to be okay. I'm here. I'm praying for you. God's got this. Something that just goes, poof, and puts a hole in their, in their trapped, lifeless, hopeless situation. And there's like, <sighs> be aware. Be aware. Number three, be careful. Be careful with your words. And this is, look, this is a soapbox for me, you know, because sometimes I'm very careless with my words. And, and, and there are warnings everywhere in Proverbs about guarding your mouth. I mean, here's just a couple of them. Let just throw them up real quick. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Next one. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Guard your words. But the most sobering one is in Matthew where Jesus himself says this, that we will be judged by our words. Every careless, every idle word that we speak will be held accountable for. That's reason enough to be careful about what we say. Because it's a reflection of what's in our heart. And we know that Jesus is all about what's in your heart. So this is the, the we talked about the inside out version, uh, aspect of the gospel. We talked about the upside down, being aware of others. This is the forward back one. In light of the coming judgment, in the light of Jesus returning, in, in light of Jesus holding us accountable, we ought to be careful with what we speak. And here's my soapbox. We live in an era, which I don't understand, and I still haven't fully made my mind up about it, and I don't know what to think, where Christians swear. I don't know what to make of it. But I read Colossians 3 and Ephesians, and in that context, you can read these scriptures. I put them up if you can put those passages for me. Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5. Both of those are passages that, again, Paul talks about in light of God's wrath. Same idea. In light of judgment, we ought to be careful with what we say. And he says, let there not be obscenities, filthy language or, you know, dirty jokes, slander. I think he talks about um, gossip and lying. He talks about our words in the context of judgment. So I don't know how Christians can be people who use the F word, for instance. I don't get that. You know, I've, I've come across this so much that our kids and our family, we have a label for it. We'll call them effing Christians people who profess Christ, but their mouths are like, man, I don't understand that. So I'm just putting that out there that we should be careful. Whatever your convictions, I don't even know if you've thought about it and kind of thought about how does that line up with Scripture. I'm just going to leave that one out there for you to figure out. Be careful. That's all I want to say. Okay, quickly, some practical things. Firstly, Be sincere. Uh, Great quote, if you can put the quote up. Flatter me and I may not like you. I may not believe you, sorry. Criticize me and I I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. Love me and I may be forced to love you. Again, it goes back to what Jesus said about the heart. This is not about just complimenting people. This is not about flattering people so you can get something out of it. And we know this, right? Because, you know, when people say something nice to me, what do we normally say? What do you want? Right? Yeah. So be sincere. Be genuine. Let it come from the overflow of your heart. Secondly, be generous. Be generous with encouragement. Uh, again, I grew up in, you know, in a world where people didn't want to give a lot of encouragement. Why? Because oh, it's going to go to your head and make you proud. So I'm going to make sure I keep you humble. <laughs> Come on. Be, be encouraging. Be, be generous. And that doesn't mean we go to the opposite extreme of our age that just can't be honest, right? We're so easily offended. We can't speak truth because, oh, you're, you're, you're discouraging me and oh, you're hurting my feelings. Grow up. Come on. Be generous with encouragement, but be humble with criticism. But that doesn't mean people don't need to hear it. You know, like this generation of parenting is all about not letting our kids experience anything bad. That's not good for them. But that doesn't mean we go to the opposite extreme and kind of rip them to shreds either. Listen to this quote. Correction does much, but encouragement does more. It does more. Yes, there is a time to bring correction and to address things. But, you know, when, we were, when our kids were little, we, we learned this idea of yes versus no parenting. You know, they say that one of the first words that kids learn to say is no because they hear it so much. And the challenge was to, to start saying yes to when, they, when your kids do the right thing. And when they, when they get it right and when you see someone doing something good, say yes. Encourage generously. But that doesn't mean you don't say no. The third one is kind of related. You know, you heard the saying, every cloud has a silver lining. Well, some people have a ministry of pointing out clouds. <laughs> come on. Come on. Let's be people who focus on the silver lining now and deal with the cloud later. And again, let me give you an example. We've grown up probably in a culture, many of us, where you bring home your report and you've got six A's and one B. What does your parents see? The one B. It's like, come on. Come on. Really? And that's not even a cloud. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Let's be people who say, you know, well done. That was fantastic. That was awesome. And then later go, you know what? You got to be in that. Would you like to talk about how you can improve that? But don't go, oh, 1B? What's going on there? Come on. Again, another great quote. A word of encouragement during a failure is worth more than an hour of praise after success. There was a story uh, told about a guy uh, called Edward Steichen, uh, a world-renowned photographer now. But the story goes that when he first started, he bought a camera when he was 16, and he took 50 photos. And they were all duds. 49 of them didn't turn out. One of them was amazing. It was a portrait of his sister playing the piano and his dad didn't think much of the return of 49 bad one good like whoop. but his mom said to him that one photo is spectacular and that one photo is better than the much much better and worth investing into than the 49 you didn't get right and that word of encouragement had such a profound impact on him that he continued to stay with photography and became a world renowned photographer You see, if you you focus on the silver lining and you help people figure out their clouds later, you will always bring life. Life. Last one, really quickly. Take every opportunity you can to encourage people. And today, given social media, we have so many opportunities. And again, here's another one of my soapboxes, right? I don't know what to think of people who post these incredible, wonderful Affirmations of their husband or their wife or their kids, and they never tell them. They tell the world, but they never tell them. You know why I think that is? Because that encouragement is more about them. That's why they do it. And so I'm I'm sorry if I'm kind of pushing on buttons here. I'm just I'm telling you straight up, this is one of my soapboxes. All right. It just kind of really irritates me because that's fake. Because they're checking how many likes it got, really. If it was about encouraging them, just tell them. Don't tell the world. And if you're going to tell the world, tell them first. And don't care how many people liked it because that's more about you. It's encouraging you that other people think your encouragement of the other person was great. (laughs) Come on. But take every opportunity. Text messages, a card, a note, a gift. So many different ways that you can encourage someone. Today is a great day to do that. It's Mother's Day, and I want to show you a video that will probably move you to tears, but it's a great video, so enjoy it.
0: Hey, why are you up so late, sweetie? Sorry, Dad, got a lot of work to do here. Do you have any idea how many things Mom does when nobody sees? No, but... I bet you're about to tell me. There are fairies who follow moms around everywhere they go. I was not aware of this. They keep track of all the things moms do. The things we see and we don't see. And wouldn't you believe it? The fairies kind of look like Uncle Bob. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to typecast, but Bob, he does not strike me as fairy material. I'll tell you all about it. Great. I wanna hear more about Bob the fairy. Once upon a time, there was a fairy named Bob, but he had much cooler ears than Uncle Bob. How much cooler? Trust me, I'm a fairy expert. (laughs) I'm gonna like this story. Oh, I bet you are. Let's add glitter bubbles and little pink wings. That's a great idea. (laughs) You see, Bob the Fairy sees when Mom goes to the 24-hour store when someone forgets to mention she needs a costume made for the school play the next morning. And that summons me. Speaking of costumes, I think Bob needs a tutu. Come on! When no one is looking, Mom makes super special birthday cakes. I bet that icing's gonna give Bob a sugar crash. (laughs) Okay, my turn. Did you know that Mom takes care of you even when she's sick? (sighs) Mom sure is brave. Yeah. And when you forget your lunch, she even goes back to get it when she's running late. And at the end of the day, moms do some of their best work when no one is around to watch them. You know what? God sure blessed you when he gave you your mommy. Yes, he did, Dad. Now keep writing, we have a lot of work to do. I
1: stood up all night. Thank you. <laughs> so, what we want you to do is do just that. We're going to give each of you a card and we want you to write a note of encouragement for someone. It could be your mom, it could be a mom, it could be anybody else, a young person, a child, something. So our ushers are going to distribute each of you with a card. Be someone that speaks life. Today, if you have the time, at morning tea, write it and give it to them. It could be a scripture verse, it could just be saying thank you for all you do. We appreciate it. Whatever you feel, just take two minutes, three minutes. You can stay in here as we dismiss this meeting if you want to. But use just this simple card as being a primer to get you start thinking about how you can speak life. And maybe you want to take the card and pray over it and say, God, who do you want me to write this card for? And maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's someone at school. Maybe it's someone who, like the whale story, is trapped right now and just needs a breathing hole. And you could bring that for them. But that's what we want you to do. So um, the ushers are going to just distribute them. And I'm going to pray and then I'm going to dismiss the service And if you'd like prayer this morning, if you're going through a challenge and you're finding today particularly difficult or you just really need somebody to pray with you, we'd love to do that with you at the end of this service. And then I'm going to dismiss it and you can go and have morning tea or if you get the inspiration and you really want to write your card, you can do that as well. Morning tea will be out there. And can I say we do have a special morning tea provided and we want to honor our mums and want to let them go first. So please let our mums go first. And then join in and enjoy the the morning tea. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are a speaking God. And from Genesis onwards, Lord, you bring life when you speak. Lord, you brought life when you spoke in Genesis and created all things. And then through your Son, who is the living Word, you brought eternal life to us. And Lord, we pray that now that we know you and we follow you and we have your Spirit living in us, will you so change our hearts that our words will reflect the spirit of God who lives in our hearts, that we too might be ones that radiate your word, your life, your grace through our words. And Lord, even with this simple card, will you use these words to be a blessing to someone? And Lord, I pray that it won't be just one act that we do, but Lord, from this, we will embrace a commitment to be careful with our words and to take every opportunity we can to speak life, to be generous with our encouragement, to be aware of those around us, to notice someone who needs a word in season. Father, will you use us to impact our workplace, to impact our coworkers and friends and neighbors and school friends by the power of life in our tongue? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.